We've got three stories for you today. First up, how to track historical hurricane paths where you live. Then we're going to talk about a new commission that's aiming to make ocean travel safer in the Arctic. And we're going to look at a new radar system that boosts ocean observing capabilities in Hawaii. But before we begin, I want to make sure you know about an event that's going on right now through October 19th. It's called Aquarius 2010, and it's your chance to see what it's like to live 60 feet under the sea on the Aquarius Reef Base. That's the world's only underwater research lab. The aquanauts in the lab are broadcasting live shows each day during this special 10-day mission in English and in Spanish. And during the event, you can chat with the underwater team, send them tweets, or just follow along with their research any time of the day. So head to oceanslive.org for Aquarius 2010. And don't miss the next Making Waves episode. We're going to talk with an aquanaut from the mission, so be sure to join us for that in two weeks. It's going to be a good one. Okay, now let's talk about the ocean. It's Thursday, October 14th, and you're listening to episode number 61 of Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. You live in a place where hurricanes are a problem? You're moving to a place and you want to know how many hurricanes have passed through the area? Or maybe you're a city planner, a reporter, or a coastal manager, and you need to research hurricane activity. Well, there is a tool for that. It's called Historical Hurricane Tracks. It's online for anyone to use, it's free, and it was just updated to include 2009 storms. Historical Hurricane Tracks is really cool, and it's pretty easy to use. Once you enter a few search terms, you're served up with customized, downloadable maps based on more than 150 years of Atlantic hurricane and tropical cyclone data. That's right, you can find out what hurricanes passed through an area all the way back to 1851. There are many, many ways to search with the tool. To name a few, you can look by zip code, state or county, storm name or year, or latitude and longitude points. So for example, you can check out how many category one through five hurricanes have passed within 65 kilometers of Wilmington, North Carolina between 1851 through 2009. And by the way, you can see just what that would look like on our website. We have an accompanying online story there. Or you can pick out, say, just one storm and track its path to see exactly where it made landfall. One thing you'll notice with the tool is that if you select a wide range of years, the overlapping paths of decades of decades of hurricanes can be pretty overwhelming. Well, you can reduce the clutter by choosing fewer years. You can hone in on different types of storms. You can zoom in and out. And you can even toggle the names of the hurricanes on your custom map to help you better see the distinct paths of each hurricane. Now, these historical snapshots are fascinating to see, but they're for much more than just entertainment. This data helps community members and local emergency managers develop better plans for storm preparation and recovery. In other words, it helps people visualize how vulnerable an area is over time to help them better prepare for what might lie ahead. And that's not all. In addition to the customizable mapping tool, Historical Hurricane Tracks also features a searchable database of population changes versus hurricane strikes. That's for U.S. coastal counties from 1900 to 2000. And it includes detailed reports on the life history and effects of U.S. tropical cyclones since 1958. Why would you want to know this? Well, knowing how many people live, work, and vacation in a given coastal community is really important for planning and conducting emergency response and recovery activities. As you can imagine, as populations increase in hazard-prone areas, the protection of people, property, and natural resources becomes a lot more complex. So viewing population and storm data together 
helps minimize uncertainties, and empowers communities to become better prepared to deal with meteorological hazards. And last but not least, the site also offers a look at tropical cyclone reports written by hurricane specialists from the National Hurricane Center. So there's a lot there on offer. It's called NOAA's Historical Hurricane Tracks, and it's developed by NOAA's Coastal Services Center in partnership with the National Hurricane Center. And as always, the link to the tool will be in our show notes. Now let's head to the Arctic. Hurricanes aren't a problem here, of course, but here's what is. Increased ocean traffic combined with poor nautical chart coverage. This is a big safety issue for mariners transiting this vast region, and it's a growing problem as sea ice continues to shrink. Well, last week in a meeting in Ottawa, representatives from Canada, Denmark, Norway, Russia, and the U.S. established a new Arctic Regional Hydrographic Commission to meet this challenge head-on. The main goal of the new commission is to work together to make better nautical charts. According to U.S. reps at the meeting, less sea ice over longer periods of time has resulted in a doubling of vessel traffic in the Arctic since 2005, and that's from sources like cargo vessels, ecotourism, and ships engaged in resource exploration in the region. According to Captain John Lowell, the U.S. National Hydrographer and Director of NOAA's Office of Coast Survey, charting data in much of the Arctic is woefully out of date or non-existent, and these inadequate charts pose a significant risk for marine safety, and that could potentially lead to loss of life or environmental disaster. But it's not just about safety. Making ocean transport safe through and within the Arctic is important to the U.S. economy, environment, and national security. NOAA's Office of Coast Survey headed the U.S. delegation to Ottawa last week, which also included representatives from the Naval Oceanographic Office and the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And finally today, we're going to head to a warmer place to tell you about new surface current data served through the U.S. Integrated Ocean Observing System that's now available to users in Hawaii. Before we go there, though, do you know what the Integrated Ocean Observing System is? It's a bit of a mouthful, so it's usually called IUS for short. And it's a bit of a complicated thing, so to put you in the right frame of mind, here's Jenny Lyons, communication specialist from the program, explaining what it's all about from a 2009 interview on our sister podcast, Diving Deeper. If you think about how people learn, we really do it by watching and taking in information. It's the same thing with our oceans and coasts. We really need to observe them to understand what's happening there. Once we understand, then we can increase the nation's ability to keep our people safe, our economy secure, and our environment healthy and productive. You would not believe the amazing amount of data collection tools out there. I know I couldn't quite grasp it when I started here with IUS. I mean, there are satellites, buoys, tide gauges, radar stations, underwater vehicles, and the list goes on. Some of the tools are in the water, as you might expect with ocean observations, but some are on land, and others still are all the way up in space. Most of the data collected is streamed to a database where IUS partners are working to make it easier to access and understand. That way, scientists and decision makers can quickly find what they need. We'll have a link to that full episode in the show notes so you can learn more about IUS. It's a good one, so hope you check it out. Now let's get back to Hawaii. So IUS partners in the Pacific Island Ocean Observing System began delivering data last month from a new high-frequency radar system south of Oahu. It's the third such system installed in the region over the summer. And these radars, taken together, send surface current speed and direction in near real time to IOS national data servers. This data helps scientists better understand where things like spilled oil, harmful algal blooms, or drifting ships might be traveling so responders can take appropriate action. But that's not all for IOS news out of Hawaii. 
Last week, IUS also launched a new website that serves up maps of real-time water conditions and recent alerts in the U.S. Pacific Islands. And regional IUS partners are now delivering a nearshore water conditions map specifically for the Hawaii area on the site. The map includes information on salinity, temperature, chlorophyll, turbidity, and oxygen, along with recent warnings, advisories, and postings from weekly bacterial testing conducted by the Hawaii Department of Health's Clean Water Branch. These data provide information that sailors, state and local agencies, and beachgoers need to make safe and informed decisions before heading out on the water and to the beach. We'll have a link to the site in our show notes. And that's all for this week. A brief programming note before we end. The feed to this podcast is now served up in two formats. Main format is the familiar MP3, and that'll work in pretty much any player you choose to play this back. And the second format is for iTunes, which includes chapter markers, images, and links. And that, of course, only works if you subscribe through iTunes. If you want to do that, you can find the direct link to our iTunes page in the show notes. And while you're there on iTunes, I hope you leave a comment and tell us what you think about the podcast. If you have any questions about the podcast, about the National Ocean Service, or about our ocean, if you have an ocean fact you'd like answered, we hope to hear from you. We're at nos.info at noaa.gov. And visit us online at oceanservice.noaa.gov. Now let's listen to the ocean. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. We'll be back in two weeks with a special episode, Aquarius 2010.